It was a bounty hunter called... Hi, welcome to the Weekly Song Podcast. I'm Roger. I'm not. And this is the show where we write a song in the space of a week, and we bring them to the podcast and we talk about how we wrote them, lyrics and chords and that sort of thing. How are you, Declan? I'm fine, thank you. I love the fact that you now have to use my name every single time because I refuse to say that I am Declan. Not very cooperative, Declan. (laughs) (laughs) What can I say? I am the proverbial spanner in the works. Uh, He sure is. The audience has just gone. Um, (laughs) uh, Yeah, I'm fine. I'm I'm happy. I've just had a week off in Cornwall, which is lovely. Uh, And I'm feeling very happy and very fulfilled, which isn't very good when you're trying to write a grunge song. (laughs) (laughs) The most upbeat, happy grunge song. Yeah, I'm, t- I'm too happy to be writing good music. Ugh. Uh, this is, that, is true. Can this I be is... miserable, please? <laughs> and uh, it's true that it's Grunge Week this week. Uh, for season 12, which is what this is right now that you're listening to, uh, we're doing uh, like a different genre or style of song each week. Last week we did uh, rock and roll, 50s rock and roll, or that sort of thing. Mm. And this week... We're, we're doing, doing Nirvana. Grunge. Yeah. <laughs> Because um, they're the only grunge band ever. There has not been another one. And they no, only had sorry. one album. It was called Nevermind. And only had one song on it, which was called Smells Like Teen Spirit. And only yep. had one chorus. Uh, and it has one guitar riff, but that's like the extended version. Exactly. If you're lucky. <laughs> so there we go. That's a complete history of grunge covered. Um, <laughs> we are going to get murdered. Um <laughs> <laughs> by whom no one likes grunge anymore well, no- Shh, they'll hear you <laughs> <laughs> oh no I can see plaid shirts on the horizon <laughs> Dave Groh is going to write us an angry letter Oh, he's got another confession to make um, anyway 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 um, uh, we do take it in turns as to who goes first each week and, first uh, First, went a little bit West Country there. I'm not Cornish, you, but I did. Well, I, I tell you what, with my like, with my like very angry tendency, should I do my song first this week? Well, Seeing it's my turn in that. I think you should. Yeah, that, that's a good idea there. Prior to my babber, <laughs> babber. Um, uh, yes, please tell tell me about it. I was sort of waiting for you to say something there, and then I realised, wait a minute, you don't know about my song. That's my job. Whoops. Declan's um, song this week is called... <laughs> <laughs> oh, we are a professional podcast. We are an award-winning podcast. <laughs> we are. Oh, we'll, they're going to take that award back. They're going to snatch it out of our greasy little go, hands. Wait a minute, these guys just don't know what they're doing. <laughs> we take it back. You're not award-worthy. <laughs> Well, they can't take it back now. That's that's on the record. We, we, we printed out the PDF and everything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That JPEG is ours. <laughs> right. So, sorry. On to the point of the on. show. <laughs> on to the point of the show. Uh, my grunge song this week is called "Make It On Your Own." You have to forgive the lack of distortion, um, but it goes like this. <laughs> Surprised, dear But lately I've been lost, dear 
but it has turned to frosty. Coming or going, going or been, or am I just standing still? Patiently waiting or caught in the beams, afraid of the fear and thrill. I need a hand from my fellow man. I need the light to guide me home. I give a prayer and no one's there. I cannot make it on my own. To judge by yourself, love Still in wonders for my health, love I'm hiding in this cave, love I need you to make me brave, love Coming or going, going or in I cannot tell when I move Patiently waiting or caught in the beams What have I left to lose? Something new. I cannot complete me. I need something new. I cannot complete me. I need something new. I cannot complete me. I. So that was Declan's song, Make It On My Own, Declan's grunge song this week. I really like it. It's a really good song, uh, but it's it's almost like less grunge than I thought it would be. That's not an insult or anything. Just it kind of went in a different direction than I thought you would go in. So like, how did it start? Like, tell us about it. Um, well, kind of, it, it's an odd one this week because most of the rock I listen to is like 60s, 70s, and then there's that lovely guitar boom in the mid-noughties that I'm really fond of. Mm. Um, Quite a gap I, there then. Yeah, and like some 80s stuff is well produced, but it's just not necessarily my cup of tea. Uh, and I've always been aware of grunge. And, you know, I've, you know, I've heard Nevermind. I think, you know, controversial hot take. I think Nevermind is actually one of the greatest albums of all time. <gasps> he went there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I just not listened to a lot of it. Like I, my route into music was more through Abbott and Queen and then getting into bands like the Kaiser Chiefs and the Fratellis and the Arctic Monkeys later on. So like grunge was like a step I've gone back to in retrospect uh so it's not as in tuned into me as uh it might be for you because i know you listen to a lot more like punk and um heavy rock growing up and things that grew out of 
either the grunge scene or similar sorts of scenes yeah i started listening to like electric guitar music first and then what then expanded out so to give you an idea of uh how much grunge is in my music library i've just got my music player open at the moment uh my music library contains 1408 albums some of those are singles some of those are big box sets uh so it all averages out to about 1400 albums uh the albums that are listed as grunge in any capacity uh that number comes to 17 of which most of them are Nirvana and Foo Fighters. <laughs> <laughs> so you're not the biggest grunge fan of the world, then, I think yeah. it's fair to say. Well, I mean, it's not necessarily that I'm not a fan, it's just that I'm not knowledgeable about the genre. So this was an interesting challenge. Um, so I kind of like kept putting it off, thinking like, well, I, I came into the preconception that it would be an easy one to write because, well, grunge is just really, really heavy rock. It's like massive distortion uh, and you've got to be a bit moody and there you go, you've got a grunge song there's a little bit more to it than that uh, so what I did was on the Sunday after I came back from Cornwall uh, I just on the way into work and on the way out of work I just put selected on the grunge tab all of the albums and just played them all on shuffle and just had everything playing through and the things I sort of noticed were yes grunge music does tend to feature heavy distortion like super heavy distortion but not always about half of nevermind is kind of much more reasonable guitar tones uh poor example um and there's also like a tonality which is kind of linked to metal but not of metal if you know what i mean like there's a lot more dissonance in a genre like grunge yeah uh or like things being out of place like chords just being thrown together for the sake of it. Like there's this sort of feeling that you almost, the less you know about how to play your instrument, the more authentic, which is not actually the case. I will say that now before anyone <laughs> runs down my throat with that. But uh, if you can make it appear that it's just like uh, you don't know what you're doing, but you you do actually know what you're doing, then that makes a great grunge record. Interesting. Uh, look at the chord sequence of something like Lithium, for example. Or like uh, about all of the a lot of the uh, songs on uh, ten, for example, work in that way. Mm. That I can hear. Yeah. Uh, so one thing that I was I sort of came up with the main riff of this song on the bus, just in my head, uh, like playing air guitar in my with my left hand, just on the seat as I was driving, as being driven into work. Um, <laughs> That's so, interesting. Sort of a mentally written riff. Yeah, I just had to play it later on just to double check that it actually did work. Um, <laughs> so what it is, it's a G, uh, then to an open E back to G, A, B, C, and then E major. And it's very definitely, all the rest of them are power chords, but you're very definitely hitting an E major there because it's got a G sharp in it. Mm. And that's just to make it clear that the C and the G E really do not belong to, uh, together at all. Right so that uh, they're from completely the wrong scales to work. And was um, was there like a sort of um, intellectual reason for that or like a musical reason for that? Or was it just like that's how it came out? Well, I mean, like I was saying, like that's kind of... Uh, grunge chord sequences tend to like have these weird dissonant... Well, not dissonant, but like the wrong chords in the sequence. Yeah. Uh, 
almost like an amateur doesn't know what key he's playing in so we'll just pick up any random chord that fits like you've just learned sort of five chords in your first two years of playing guitar and you go i'll use these it doesn't matter like you don't know what scale that's in or something yeah that's not actually the case with a lot of these composers i'm certain but it's what it feels like right when it's done well um also the reason i chose that particular version of e which is open e 11 on the g and nine on the uh nine on the d is that i have no reference for this but for some reason that makes me think of smashing pumpkins that sort of particular (laughs) inversion it's so funny you say that i have exactly the same thing just having the open e as the drone and then that you know uh, the proper major four there, like up above it, is so pumpkins. Yeah, I completely agree. And I, I know you're a fan, and I know I've seen you play pumpkins, which is probably where I've picked it up from. But like, I, I can't reference where I have got that information from. So, but like, that's just the association that's built up in my head. So that's why that's there. Uh, for the pre-bridge bit, that's going from a G to an A. These are all paggles. G to A to E to G. Sometimes back up to the A again. But what I'm doing there is I'm keeping on the third. Uh, vocally, so it's alternating between a B and a C on that bit, the vocal melody over the G, the A and the E Oh right Mm -hmm. Uh, again, one of the sort of one of those uh, do you ever see those videos where it's like um, the five tricks that Kurt Cobain used or like (laughs) these three tricks will make you sound more like Paul McCartney or like whoever it is that you're wanting to sound like. Yeah, yeah, on YouTube and stuff. The one I always hear about Kurt Cobain is that his melodies start and end on the third. Oh, really? Okay. Which isn't entirely true, um, but it's there and it's present a fair bit of the time. True enough. Yeah, so it is a feature, but I don't think it's as big a feature as some people think it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really am showing my ignorance of the genre this week. Um, <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, so that's why that's uh And then uh, basically the way I label my albums in my music library is I just go on Wikipedia and it's I copy what the tags are from there because I really do not care about genre, but I want everything to be labeled correctly if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, like, normally when I'm playing on shuffle, I'm literally playing, like, everything. But for some reason, uh, there were two British bands that were labelled as grunge, even though grunge is a very American thing, like it came out of Seattle in the late, mid to late 80s. Oh, that's interesting. I wonder who they were. Uh, so, the first Feeder album... Actually, there were, there were three bands who were listed as grunge. Um, Feeder's first album is listed as grunge, for some reason. Um... Manic Street Preachers, uh, albums one and two are listed as grunge. Oh, that's an interesting categorization. Yeah. Yeah, which you can t- tell the first two Manic uh, Street Preachers albums are so much heavier than the rest of their stuff. And also, weirdly enough, the first Radiohead album. See, I get, I actually do get that. But then, I mean, we don't go too far into this, I guess, we could go on a whole thing. But in a way, it's like if you are around at the same time as a genre that's popular and you play the same instrument as them, you might be lumped in with them, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I know exactly what you mean. But, like, uh, this is just what I was... like, Because, obviously, uh, with the early 90s blow-up of grunge, with bands like Pearl Jam and Nirvana and Soundgarden and things like that, uh, it did influence UK musicians, but in the same way that American rap influenced UK rap, but the two have diverged into very different ways. 
Mm. Same is true of like 90s alternative rock in the UK. Right. It went in a very different direction to what happened in America. So the big thing that I noticed um, was just with some of the songs that were coming through, particularly on the feeder record, but I got a bit of it on the radio head, was that there were just more major chord sequences as opposed to minor and sort of dis- uh, dissonant sequences. There are a lot more major feeling sequences. Hmm, interesting. So at the risk of completely derailing the challenge this week, what I decided to do was put all major chords in the chorus. Um, nice. But, but also still try and keep a feeling of them being slightly out with each other. So what it ends up being is C to G and then B to E. C to G again and then an A. Hmm. And then repeat that and just use a B to get into the next section. So, wait, what what key is the chorus again again, sorry? Uh, it starts in C, I think. Let's see. Uh, but I'm not sure what key the song is in. <laughs> so so if the chorus is in C, then the B and the E, they're like those kind of oddball chords where it's like very grungy and that they might not belong. Yeah, so they're the ones that don't necessarily fit that well. Um, this isn't a feature that's unique to grunge, but I was doing my research at the last minute and I really needed to pick anything that I could. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a really good calling card, actually, because it's hard to categorize grunge. And I feel like that's one thing that, to me as well, like it really does. Yeah, that's the thing. I was just listening to uh, the songs that were coming up and just thinking, what separates these from just rock and roll? What separates these from heavy metal? What separates these from just alternative? Because it's a Why funny line, isn't thing? it? It's like, because it's a lot like, I don't know, um, post-punk of the early 80s in a way, but it's different. It's like, yeah, where's that line? Post-punk for the early 80s is a great one, because that covers, you know, for example, uh, Blondie counts as a post-punk band. And some of their songs are extremely heavy, and some of them are just perfect pop songs. Like, within the one band, you've got the gamut. And then when you expand that out to mean, like, synthesizer music, like uh, things that uh, like things that bled into new wave, and it, it almost becomes a meaningless term. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when I think post punk as well, I know this is kind of hardcore, but I think like Black Flag and that sort of band. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, that's a whole different thing. But interesting to try to categorize something, isn't it? And be like, what makes this grunge? <laughs> yeah. Whereas, like with um, a lot of the other ones, it's been a bit more clearly defined what is and what isn't. Uh, so it's an interesting challenge. Um, so the only other musical bit of this one uh, is the bridge, which is probably the least grunge part of it. It's that uh, descending pattern, which is like E, D, B, B flat, A, C, B, G, E. Um, again, that's to try and get a bit more semitonal movement. So like to make it a bit more clear that, you know, there are things that are just like out of kilter with the main key um i don't know that any grunge band would have actually played uh a riff like that um but then again you think of things like even flow for example and that works and that fits so um, yeah or even like uh uh the main riff on my poor brain in um color in the shape Although is colour in the shape of grunge record. I was going to just comment on that. I can see why you would say it would be. Um, I mean, it's what that... Wikipedia says. So, ah, <laughs> uh, Wikipedia is weird though with genres, isn't it? It's like, I I'd say colour in the shape is like a, 
rock albums, just rock, personally. But I don't know why I say that. (laughs) But there is definitely a feeling of grunge in there at points. Well, it's like Dave Grohl said um, at a certain point, like, you know, post-Nirvana, obviously. He said a lot of, you know, interviewers and critics say to me, like, you know, you're just doing what Nirvana did. He's like, well, yeah, I was in that band. Like, we did loud guitars and heavy drums in that band, and we're going to do the same now. That's just what I do. (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of, it's the weirdest criticism. Like, rock music makes rock, uh, rock musician (laughs) makes rock music. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh People in the past were dumb, but people in the future aren't any better. Um, Stupid future So that's people. kind of... Silly future people. Uh, so that's kind of all there is musically to this one. And then the words this week were really kind of hard to write. Again, like I mentioned <laughs> earlier on, and I did say it as a joke, but it is kind of true. I was just in too good a headspace to right. write <laughs> angry, uh, rebellious words. Because the thing is, with grunge music, the two sort of themes that I tended to get cropping up were either you write about a system that's broken down and failed you, which there are systems that have broken down and failed me, but I wrote about capitalism last week uh, and I did it in a much more interesting way. So, (laughs) um, and anything else I wanted to write about was just kind of like, it would have been too preachy and I I don't like writing preachy songs when I can avoid it. Um, so the only other thing is you focus on your own personal darkness and your own inner demons um, and mine have taken a holiday like this sounds really weird <laughs> coming from Mr Pessimism over here but like I'm, I'm feeling pretty good right now what next it would be this week as well wouldn't it <laughs> yeah exactly yeah <laughs> the darkest week um, so I, I suppose I sort of focused in on uh, the fact that I'm tired of being single. Uh, <laughs> okay. so this is this is just like another angry. Why have I not got a partner? <laughs> like, why am I alone? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, Give me somebody. <laughs> it's quite hard, isn't it, to like feign anger in your lyrics when you're in a good headspace. I found it difficult with lyrics this week too, uh, so I can relate. <laughs> yeah, but that's kind of why that's that it's the closest thing i've got to inner turmoil at the moment uh which i think i was saying to you when we were listening to it this feels just kind of more like just one of the songs that i would write anyway yeah as opposed to being like a special challenge maybe part of that is because grunge is very linked up with electric guitars and the production of the music uh and i don't necessarily mean like studios and everything like that i mean in terms of like it's definitely guitar live band music. It, I, uh, I'd say of the genres we've we've challenged ourselves to write within so far, this is the one that most closely resembles your own music, like the EP and the album you put out. Mm. They're not grunge, but they're very heavy guitars at times. Mm. But uh, I know exactly what you mean. Um, and the thing is, like, although I was saying earlier, like, um, uh, oh my musical tastes are like 60s 70s and that mid noughties guitar boom that mid noughties guitar boom it's a long way back but it was like influenced by uh this big wave of new rock music from america which spurred on groups like manic preachers like feeder like stereophonics Mm. to sort of build the grounds for that mid noughties guitar boom that's very true yeah so so there is like dna linking back there 
I don't know what the point of that is, but I just no, thought I, it was interesting. <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, yeah, I, I think, you know, you and I, we could do a whole other podcast series about, like, how genres evolved and how when they, you know, points at which they touch and diverge. It's, it's interesting. It's really interesting. Hmm. But uh, that's kind of all I really have to say about this one. The only thing I'm really sort of annoyed about is that I couldn't really continue the songwriting, uh, the storytelling songwriting theme that I've been uh, doing throughout the season, which I've been kind of enjoying. <laughs> yeah. But then there aren't many uh, grunge songs that tell stories with one or two exceptions. Jeremy spoke out in school today. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's that's very true actually you, yeah it I is cannot kind of... yarl for the life of me i'm so sorry <laughs> i learned the word yarl today and then i quickly learned afterwards that you said you can't do it <laughs> but uh as i said earlier you yarl well that's hard to say yarl well yeah yarl well lad. uh but i really it helps like... if you've got an american accent which we don't no we don't we don't i don't think we could even attempt one to be fair uh but Grunge Week, I feel like, is harder than we both expected. Um, yeah. but, but I feel like you you definitely hit on loads of the you know defining points of it, and the song's really good. So, well, it it kind of feels to me a bit more like an academic study of grunge, which is kind of missing the wood for the trees, really. But um, <laughs> yeah, I know what you formalizing mean. such an angry like reactive genre. Exactly. I suppose. Well, that that's bound to happen at least at some point doing this kind of podcast about these type of challenges of genre it's like a grunge song should be written because you're annoyed at the world and then you have need an outlet it shouldn't be the other way around yeah you should yeah you can't really write grunge songs to order or if you can it's really fucking difficult to do it you can't be laying there on your sunbed with a margarita in your hand and sunglasses on and thinking now what am i angry about doesn't really work can't be capitalism anymore because i've benefited from it Uh... (laughs) yeah I love life's good. Um, it's sunny. Uh, yeah. I can't remember who did it, but there's some comedy song I heard once, like uh, the uh, affluent white man's blues. <laughs> it's just all these things like I woke up this morning and, you know, my wife and kids were there and everything was fine. <laughs> oh. oh, it reminds me of what's that? Um, oh, Tim Minchin, uh, rock and roll nerd. Yes. <laughs> Oh, that's I just such love a good that song. song so much. So do I. It's actually one of my favorite songs. Like, regardless that it's like a comedy song, it's just one of my favorite songs. Just ah, oh, so good. Yeah. Anyway, this isn't the Tim Minchin episode. So <laughs> maybe that can be, we can do that later in the season. <laughs> no, we can't. <laughs> oh, that could be fun. Although I feel like you'd have an upper hand over me because you, you're like a big fan of his. True. Um, but you know. You're more of a fan of like uh, American eighties, nineties punk and hardcore and things like that. So you had a head start on me on this challenge. So it all balances out. I guess the so. End, actually, it? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's very true. Um, but yeah, I think that's about all I have to say for it. Other than that, I did my best yarling on the track. I tried to. Uh, <laughs> I aimed for like Kurt Cobain and Eddie Vedder, and I just ended up sounding like the drunk guy by the co-op. So. Uh, Sorry for my yarling, darling. <laughs> that, if you ever want a country grunge crossover, you have to call it that. Yes. Sorry for my yarling, darling. Oh. That's the title. That has got to be the title. And it's related to the genre. 
but only because you said the word yarling is involved with grunge, and I believe you. I'm not questioning that. <laughs> what if it turns out to be something entirely different, and I've just been lying to you all this time? It's just like a search term on, on a naughty website somewhere. Yeah, do not Google that. <laughs> <laughs> Yarling.com. Oh, my God. You'll be putting a list for that. A list of... We'll have to take our clean lyrics thing off. <laughs> and our clothes. Wait, what? Uh, so my grunge song this week is called Formaldehyde. And it goes like this. So that was Roger's song, Formaldehyde. I like this. This actually sounds like a grunge song. <laughs> this is really cool. What does the title mean? <laughs> I knew you'd ask that, and I don't have a very good answer for it. Um, so when I write lyrics, um, sometimes I kind of go on like, this is what this line generally means like emotionally, or like this is what it needs to kind of say. And then I'll do it rhythmically. So like the syllables will need to be filled. So... Um, I spent my I spend my pittance on formaldehyde uh, that rots away the core, so I just wanted to say something like, um, you know, I I spend what little I get on insert chemical here, 
which rots away the core, like my insides. A very grungy, dark lyric. And the only uh, four-syllable uh, word I could think of was formaldehyde, which really fit the the kind of thing of the of the line. And I looked it up. It's, it's kind of used for like um, assembling. No, not assembling, but like adhering uh, and making household household products. And I was like, well, that can't be good for you. I mean, it might not be like inherently bad for you, but you don't want to eat it, probably. It's glue. You wrote a song about sniffing glue. Yeah, I mean, it, you don't get much more grunge than that. I mean, <laughs> I didn't know that until now. But <laughs> <laughs> um, It's kind of like the same vibe as like lithium, which is about the active ingredient in like an antidepressant. Exactly. Kind of why it, that song is so happy. In fact, I think that's kind of... Or sounds so happy. That's why I wrote it, really. Uh, that's right. No, that's why I called it formaldehyde. Because formaldehyde's kind of like a... In fact, I was going to call it sertraline, but I thought that that was a bit too much of a rip-off because sertraline is an antidepressant. Um, ah, fair. And yeah, uh, yeah, the grunge police would have been knocking at your door. Exactly those those boys in plaid, yeah, our, our brave <laughs> boys in plaid. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, for Maldives, um, I was while I was actually exporting the 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 song to send to you, I was thinking like, oh, should I change it to like because there's a line at the end of each chorus that goes um uh for the fruit that quench quenches the a man of broken bones. I was going to call it a man of broken bones, but I felt like that wasn't quite as grunge as formaldehyde. Just because that of, feels of the more like things. a metal title. Yeah, it does a bit, doesn't it? Yeah, that's the thing. One thing I do have to say about grunge is that it began this sort of trend of just giving like these random non sequitur one word titles, which then grew into the alternative and emo thing of like naming songs, things like uh, "Lying is the most fun you can have with a girl without taking your clothes off." What I made of black. Uh, wax larry what are you made out of or the law our lawyers made us change the name of this song uh <laughs> which is a just a pet peeve of mine why why you don't like so, it i don't like it when you it's once it's evolved to the point of like putting an entire sentence oh. that's just unrelated as the um uh title of your song uh and i feel grunge is where this idea began to gain traction so boo and hiss <laughs> I totally agree. Yeah, like um, I hold Chris Novoselic uh, personally responsible. Did he write lithium? No. Oh, oh I see. What you're I just saying. want. I just wanted to name someone who wasn't Kurt Cobain already better. <laughs> the two kings of grunge, uh, or Billy Corgan. I feel like yeah, Smashing Pumpkins did a lot of that sort of like naming a song something that isn't even in the song, like uh, mayonnaise or uh, Sherub Rock and that sort of stuff. I mean, to be fair, I'm the ultimate hypocrite because I do that a lot. But my, I, I just want to speak out against them for planting the seed for later acts to then expand upon that and just put entire verse and paragraph in there. Declan Kitchener there fighting the good fight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't die on many hills, but <laughs> yes. Oh, what's the sidetrack? I'm just going to look this up a second. But what's that? Sue Stevens ones. That's just like stupidly long. Oh um, yeah. Oh, God, it doesn't even fit into the entirety of my screen. Uh, the Black Hawk War, or How to Demolish an Entire Civilization and Still Feel Good About Yourself in the Morning, or We Apologise for the Inconvenience, but you're going to have to leave now, or I fought the big knives <laughs> and will continue to fight them until they are off our lands. That must piss you off real early, eh? Yes. It's completely <laughs> unnecessary, and it's only two minutes long. But then, not to sound huge... You can't say the title in two minutes. Not to sound hugely <laughs> pretentious, but, like, isn't art itself completely unnecessary hush you 
Stop making valid hey, hey, points hey. in the face of my anger. We <laughs> <laughs> um, were very off topic there. Um, um, we did, but you know that's that's grunge for you. Actually, no, it's not. God, yes, it I should is. have written about that for my grunge song. I'm really riled up. <laughs> exactly. I don't like those long titles. Those kids coming in here <laughs> thinking they're all meaningful. Well, you're not. You're just weird. <laughs> Old man yells at Cloud. <laughs> <laughs> we wore plaid on our backs, which was the style at the time. <laughs> <laughs> so Roger about your song then. <laughs> um well I'm I'm glad we actually had that little digression because I'm not quite sure what to say about it. Um it, because yours was like you kind of like you thought about like this makes a grunge song and also I'll include these type of chords and this sort of thing. For me it was just sort of like but the first port of call was like I'll come up with a riff uh that that fits uh, you know that fits the genre to some extent and i played around with a few things and the first thing i came up with which really fit was this and uh it's even at that point i was like is this grunge because it's kind of like it's <laughs> it's in e minor it uses the e minor scale um with like elements of the e blues when you go up to that a sharp and stuff so it was quite like metal slash grunge but then i started to think of one of my favorite grunge bands who i actually didn't even think to um uh listen to um until i started writing the song which is alice in chains Ooh. uh so i've never heard any of their music oh oh you oh you want to dog um <laughs> um what was that <laughs> just sort of like an old woman <laughs> you know they Sort of a grand saying, oh, uh, anyway, this is completely oh, relevant. sweetheart, you must hear the new Alice in Chains record. <laughs> it's smashing. But, uh, I mean, if we put in like a little clip of like, uh, I don't know, wood or uh, them bones or something um, here. Uh, that was just oh my god you meant that oh i understand this so well now <laughs> let people see behind the curtains pay no attention <laughs> to the man behind the curtain um yeah so i mean I, I, they're kind of like this strange subset of grunge i feel like where like they're kind of quite heavy and like gritty um as opposed to all that bubblegum pop grunge <laughs> that was just going on i am being such a dick this week i do apologize <laughs> Well, you know, I think like with Nirvana and stuff, Nevermind was so... Nevermind is a really interesting album, actually, because it's like, it is the quintessential grunge album. It's the one everyone points to first, but it's very... But it's the most accessible. Yeah, it's really commercially viable because Butch Vig produced it. And I mean, Butch Vig also produced Siamese Dream and Gish uh, by Smashing Pumpkins, but, but they were much more sort of like... I don't know, they did have commercial appeal, obviously, like songs like today. Anyway, but the point is, like, yeah, um, I don't know what the, the point is. The thing is, everybody knows Teen Spirit, everybody knows Come As You Are, everyone knows Lithium. Like, it, yeah. Whereas, like, you know, those songs could stand being on a pop singles chart, whereas most of the genre couldn't. It's It's funny, isn't it? It's like, as you get older, like, well, I mean, older than being a teenager, like, 
now like when we're you, just when, old men now in our late when, 20s when, when you're like 13 or 14 or something and you listen to nirvana or metallica like never mind the black album you think oh i'm sticking it to the man by listening to these and then you get old you get older and you realize like butch vig and rick rubin they produced those albums in such a way that like it's kind of metal and grunge for for the masses um not not to mention their major label albums well yeah exactly so so there was obviously like criteria to me and stuff um anyway i don't know why i'm talking about that but but it's true um <laughs> alice and chains we were on alice and chains yeah and so i came up with that riff and then uh it was just a case of sort of like imagining what would what would be because i wrote this all like on acoustic guitar and just imagining sort of like what would be going on with the production because i feel like a lot of grunge is in the production and as i've said earlier in the season i'm producing all my songs this season uh as an experiment because uh, for two reasons really one because then you get to kind of well then i get to like explore the genre not only in terms of like the chords and lyrics but also in terms of the instrumentation and production styles but then also because um if i produce a song each week then there's a likelihood that by the end I might have one or two or three that I I like enough to release on an album. And I've been so busy recently that I don't think I'd have time to revisit acoustic demos and you know give them the attention they deserve. So anyway, uh, I was thinking in terms of the production. He's using he's using you as his workshop, ladies and gentlemen. Um, Hope, hopefully, make that what you will. <laughs> hopefully for a um, you know beneficial good reason. You know. Um, but yeah. So once I had the. Uh, the riff i needed a verse and i knew i wanted the verses to be quiet you know like this sort of um smells like teen spirit verse basically well i mean the whole never mind album we keep coming back to this album but it's so dominant in the genre but like the whole idea of that album is that it's trying to explore dynamic ranges uh like between quiet verses and loud choruses to the point that uh kurt cobain later said that he was annoyed that that was the only thing his band could do talking of never mind you cut some phasery sort of chorusy bits on there. Is that a reference to "Come as You Are"? <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. I thought it was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Joe, when we were listening to it, you were saying, um, "Saying, I bet I know what song that's from." I was like, "I bet you do know what song that's from." And you, you yeah, it's it. not subtle. <laughs> um, I've I've been getting really into effects over the past, uh, well, over lockdown, really, over the past year or so, and um, <laughs> like basically every payday, I buy myself a new effect. And uh, and I watch loads of stuff on. It's going to be like the edge by the end of the season. <laughs> exactly, everything is going to have a delay on it. Um, and I, I was watching this um, effects show on YouTube, all, all about grunge and about the different um, effects that were used. And they used uh, Kurt Cobain used a Univibe um, on uh, on a lot of Nevermind actually, but particularly on Come As You Are. And I wanted to get that type of sound, but the closest thing I have is. Um, is a, a phaser so i just turned the phaser frequency up so it's like and uh kind of got that sound that's the thing a phaser and like a chorus pedal are more or less the same thing except the phaser feeds back the signal into itself more uh so they're kind of related effects of one can mimic as the other if you're careful um is odd thinking of kurt cobain with the univibe i I suppose this is just a classic rock uh, nerd in me, but like I always associate that more with Hendrix. Hendrix, yeah, same. Yeah, I was quite surprised when I learned that as well. Um, I mean, it makes sense, like because you can definitely hear it on things like Drain You as well. 
I mean, I've been so into pedals recently that I, when I saw some uh, old photographs of Kurt Cobain on stage and like they would show pictures of his pedal board, I was like, he has a pedal board? But of like, of course he does. You know what I mean? But like, I, I never thought of that. I just thought of him as being like a plug into an amp guy. Hmm. It's weird. Mind you, it'd have to be a hell of an amp to get some of those sounds. Yeah, that's, that's true, actually. Yeah. Um, I keep going off topic like loads this week. Um, I, I do it often but like this week is particularly bad but um so the verse for this song is in b minor which uh you know is different from the chorus and the intro riff which is an e minor and the way that i get to b minor is when you play the riff you're playing sort of like at the end there you're playing g major and a major and you know, and then you can use that to kind of just repeat the riff. Or you can go G major, A major, and I'm only playing power chords there, but it's sort of implied, you know. Um, or you can use the G and A to just head back up into B minor. And it sounds quite natural, that transition. Um, and then the the verse is it's really simple. That's the kind of thing I was thinking, like, because the chorus and the intro are quite riffy, I wanted the verse to be um, really straightforward and simple, you know, like something that just like any guitarist who's learned a few chords can just play, like that sort of grunge mentality. Um, yeah, if it, even though it's definitely not true because there were talented writers in the grunge scene, it's weird that that feels essential. Yeah, it, it is weird because, yeah, like you said, um, it, it's you think of grunge as being like simple is, is like the first thing that comes to mind almost. Whereas, you know, there are exceptions to that rule, but I think some simplicity is kind of uh, kind of a must, isn't it? Mm. Uh, As opposed to, like, for example, if we did heavy metal and you could do, like, this prog masterpiece and it would still count and no one would say that isn't heavy metal, or you could do, like, super slow Sabbath rock and that would still be metal as well. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of a, it's a, it's a broad remit which you can write within. So on the verses, I'm playing B minor and G major and just kind of alternating between them. And then the kind of challenge for me was like, okay, I know I want... Because once I started writing the verse, I knew that I wanted to come back to the intro riff because I had kind of at least a melody for it. So in my in my head, I was like, okay, the chorus will go like this. Like that. And... Uh, so I was like, okay, I've got a vague idea of what the chorus will be. No lyrics yet, but um, how do I get from my B minor um, verse back into my E minor chorus? So I kind of fudged it in the grungiest way I possibly could, which was to, at the end of my verse, I uh, I go um, B minor, G, E minor. And then from there, it kind of like slows down well not slows down but like uh the tone of the song like the dynamics go down real slow and then i go up to an a sharp diminished and i just chug on it for a bar see i wanted to put a diminished in there again it's that bit of dissonance that feels essential but i just couldn't make it flow well your song's quite majory i guess like not that you can't use diminished with majors but like i feel like with a minor song it just you can just chuck it in and it just works hmm yes I, i take your point um, so yeah, I just chugged on that A sharp diminished and sort of bend it up a little bit, you know. Um, and then, like, it's not, I can't even think of, like, what the theory is with that, but 
Um, it kind of works in the E minor blues scale, I guess. So, like, um, having your A sharp diminished, you can kind of, like, move to E minor, and then you're obviously back to the chorus. Uh, so, and then the chorus kind of just loops around on that riff, you know. So if it's all the same to you, just like that. And then, um, the most Alice in Chains moment of the song, I think, is where I go, a man of broken bones, which is just almost verging on metal, but, you know, uh... I think a little grungy as well in that Alice in Chains way. Yes, I am totally qualified to endorse this comparison. <laughs> well, I'll have to send you some some Alice in Chains stuff. I think you'd quite like. Please them. do. I'm not a huge fan, but there's like there's a good albums. There's there's one album, Dirt, I think it's called, which is um sort of one of the classics of theirs. Um, mm. but uh, yeah, that's really about it musically. I did want to kind of keep it like like. It was kind of like a forethought of mine to keep it down to like two major sections, you know. Yeah, like this grunge songs aren't really the time to be doing big, expansive, multi-section songs. Like uh, the most you could get away with is like maybe a bridge or like a build-up, but that's about it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and so many um. Nirvana songs particularly kind of rely on that sort of uh, verse of a certain, you know, as you were saying before, you've already mentioned this, but a verse of a certain dynamic and tone and a chorus which is either larger or more smaller than that, which, you know, provides a contrast. And so I I think contrast is one of the main things about the genre of grunge that sort of stands out to me is that thing of like quiet, loud, or or not even that, but just like kind of um, gentle, aggressive, whatever it is. Well, the thing is, that would work really well in the live setting, which makes sense, because that's kind of where the genre uh, sort of... Well, it's where most genres emerge, but it's particularly in the case of grunge. Um, uh, One thing I do love about your recordings is when you sort of have these guitars and drums doing, like, the stabs as they go off into the distance. Like, that's seeing something that you would totally see a band do at a live show and just keep that gag going. Right, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um or that when I was recording like the the sort of demo for it, uh, that was just improvised. So I was like, I didn't know what the ending was gonna quite be yet. I knew that it ended on E minor basically, but then I was like, I want to do something more interesting than just go blah and the song ends. So I thought just improvise a bit of um, rhythm, and then I was like, I want a guitar solo over that, but I don't want it to be like because like you, I'm a big fan of sixties and seventies rock, um, and usually over something like that, I would play something very. Um, like written you know like i would write a solo whereas Mm. um for grunge week i was thinking like if i'm gonna play anything that resembles lead guitar i want it to be like messy and fuzzy and like kind of like just making noise in the right key you know Mm. yeah that again it's going back to that sort of you have to make it sound like amateur hour without it being too amateur hour i suppose this is probably why it's really annoying to listen to people uh who have just learnt the guitar, who think they can play grunge songs because they play sloppily, without realising that there's a particular kind of sloppy. <laughs> well, like, I, that's very harsh. I shouldn't say people who've just learnt guitar, but like a certain kind of person who thinks that they're the big cheese now that they've learnt how to play smells like teen spirit, but they haven't realised quite what needs to be in control and quite what needs to be messy. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? It's like um, even in the 
you know quote-unquote messiest genres punk and grunge and what have you there are some elements of like needing to be clean with your playing or singing or pitching or whatever it is yeah yeah you need to let some messiness through but not so much that it actually sounds like you genuinely don't know what you're doing right yeah i i I heard it said um i forget you said it someone quite respectable or whatever said that Kurt Cobain was actually a much better guitarist than than he let on like a lot of people who knew him said he could like really play lead well and stuff but he just didn't because that didn't fit what he was trying to do with Nirvana Mm. well again that goes back to like uh, his his pop songwriting sensibilities which are more sophisticated than like uh, you might get at first glance from something like Teen Spirit like uh, there are interviews of him like listening to ABBA songs and things like that and being a big fan of the Beatles and like playing their songs and like learning how to write those kinds of things, mm. which no matter how much you just try and write angry ahead of that, you are just going to end up incorporating little bits of that into whatever it is that you're doing in the future. And you can sort of tell a little bit on a few of the um, a few of the tracks from Nevermind. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's, it's a funny thing, isn't it, with um, like musicians' influences in general, but particularly people like in grunge and, and heavy stuff. Because you kind of think, like, you know, when I was younger, I used to think, ah, Kurt Cobain, he must be into the other grunge bands. <laughs> then you kind of learn, like, oh, right, he likes the Beatles and stuff. Like, oh, that's cool. That's the thing. Like, you can't really be inspired that much by things that are going on around you once you're at your commercial height. Like you're mm. always influenced a bit more by the things that got you started. Yeah. And like unusual elements from outside your genre. Yeah, and I suppose those unusual elements will be the things that sort of informed those people's uniqueness as writers. Because mm. otherwise you just write something quite homogenous, same as everyone else. Yeah. It's the difference between writing just a pop song, which could be a perfectly fine pop song, but it's just a pop song. Or it could be a pop song, but with like this grunge undertone, or like a pop song, but it's like boring elements of EDM or whatever it is that you would be like, sort of, for lack of a better word, appropriating from another genre. Absolutely, yeah. Um, you know, I I think that's why... actually the EDM is a really bad example because pop is just EDM at the moment. Right? Like, yeah, they're kind of synonymous right now. Yeah, uh, but no, it's so true. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, I think a lot of musicians are sort of the result of maybe the 10 major influences on them. Um, mm. But then sometimes those influences are hard, are hard to spot. Um, sometimes it's just like in the style of singing or like the type of chords they use and stuff. Um, yeah. But uh, Or, you know, the production choices they make. Uh, but uh, just to finish off on, on this song, uh, lyrically... I mean, I don't really like... Which, which of your inner demons have we explored this week? Oh, God. I None, really. <laughs> um, I really call, the, call the player police. We've got an <laughs> imposter here. We've got a poser. We've got a sellout. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> poser. Um, I just didn't know what to write. I wasn't that pleased with this song this week, uh and when it came to writing lyrics i kind of had little snatches there's like little moments in it that i like um uh but really it was just kind of one of those things where it's like okay i have the music um and i have snatches of lyrics but i need to write something that fits the syllables you know and so i just kind of wrote uh the best fit 
I could find that didn't sound too happy. That was really it. Um, I mean, the cor- sorry, I just like your choice. Said it didn't sound too happy, as if like being happy was unavoidable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I haven't been uh, been on vacation like you, but still, you know, um, I'm I'm not doing too bad. Uh, so, like the chorus. Um, so, if it's all the same to you. I'll trade my lies in for the truth. My wasted labour for the fruit that quenches a man of broken bones. Doesn't really mean anything. It just sounds grungy, you know? Like just... It sounds like something like an emo kid would write on the front of their notebook for school. <laughs> exactly. In fact, that's quite a good way to categorise them, and I think that's why I don't like these. this song, is that it just sounds really teenage, you know? And that's, you know. I mean, that's the point, though, surely, of the genre. It's youthful rebellion. I suppose, like it, yeah. I mean, it's kind of an interesting parallel to rock and roll from last week because, like, they both come out of periods of, uh, well, they're both really American genres, but they both come out of these really conservative periods for America. Uh, rock and roll kind of deals with its subversive elements by slipping them under the radar somewhat, mm. or um, and just letting the music take the brunt of it, whereas grunge is very definitely like up and front and center about why it's angry and why uh you know why it feels the need to fight back against this sort of oppressive reality that it finds itself in i agree um i just think there's sort of a a distinction to be made sometimes with like uh i think you can write an angry teenage song in sort of a few different ways i think one way is it's quite difficult to describe actually but like one way is like the lyrics just sound like there's no real metaphor there there's no real sort of like uh good wordplay or alliteration or anything like that or like you know like kirk Cobain was a great lyricist like he wrote about quite teenage style things you know broadly speaking but like his wordplay was really clever and like kind of you know funny and like kind of uh um, all that sort of thing. Uh, so I think writing a teenage song in a more adult way is kind of what I would have liked to have done, uh, but I kind of fell short there. I think. I disagree. I think it's quite clear that you're more familiar with uh, a lot of the elements that make up grunge, uh, or like you know, like I say, you've listened to a lot more of like that era of music uh, than I have, and I think it shows in the work. And I think it's, I, I really like this one. I'd love to hear you do it live. Preferably on the same bill as Fight This Child. Um, <laughs> but no, I really like this one this week. I think you should be proud of it. Thank you. Uh, thanks very much. So that's it for this episode of the Weekly Song Podcast. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, if you have any thoughts on this episode of the show, if you've written a song within a week that you'd like to share with us, if you'd like to like correct us on all the facts that we got wrong because we know absolutely nothing this week, uh, why not write to us at weeklysongpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can find us on Instagram and YouTube. Uh, Instagram gets updated. Uh, the YouTube will eventually once I have a week off where I'm not in a different county. Um, where can they find you and your music, Roger, within the digital sphere? Ooh, the old digital sphere, eh? Yes. Uh, it can't be a digital cube. It has to be a digital sphere. Oh, yeah, of course. It would be wrong if it was a cube. Uh, I'm not being cubist, by the way. Although that was a good art movement. da 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 um, Get out. I'm not with it today. Um <laughs> 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 oh dear. Um, 
so I can be found on Instagram at Roger Heathers. Um, do give me a follow. Oh, um, also, get this. Next week, I've got an EPL. It's called Swear Jar. Ooh. And uh, it features songs from this very podcast, but um, fully produced. And uh, <laughs> and Declan, you play on a couple of songs on it. And uh, oh. that will be... <laughs> and it's really good um, that you play on those songs. Um so that will be available uh, on rogerheathers.bandcamp.com and it will be available on Spotify and Apple Music and iTunes and Amazon and wherever else people listen to music. I've lost track. Uh, <laughs> where, where can people find your music and you, Declan? Uh, you can find my music on Bandcamp, Spotify, iTunes, Apple Music. I, I don't know if I selected Deezer as one of the options, but you can check it out. Um, uh on various services like that. Uh, you can also find me on YouTube and Facebook, Declan Kitchener Music. Um, also, just a point about Roger's thing. If you are thinking of trying out Roger's new EP, but you don't know anything about his music, if you go to his band camp, there are a lot of EPs and albums available for free, so you have no excuse. Oh, thanks for mentioning that. Um, no worries, bud. Now, if you just slip me the 20, that <laughs> There you go, as promised. Uh, so we should probably explain which genre that we'll be Ooh, uh, yes. doing next week, which hopefully we should know a little bit more about. <laughs> yes. So uh, this coming week, uh, we will be writing songs in the style of funk. Uh, Funkadelic. So I'm basically I'm switching my uh, playlist over from Nirvana to Sheep. So. <laughs> I, I feel like funk is a little bit more definable than grunge has been. Yeah, well, yes and no, uh, because funk as well sort of begins to veer into disco a little bit in the late 70s, and the two begin to corrupt each other, so it depends where you look on the scale. Like, are you going like the really early live funk, like James Brown, that kind of thing? Or are you like going to the later, more like commercially viable, uh, in inverted commas, form of funk? This, there, are, yeah. there are options. There is a gamut of potential songs that we could write. I like that word. Gamut. I like um, it too. It sounds like gammon. Oh, now I'm hungry. Let's talk about gamut again. That'll stay. Yes, your gamut. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, we are idiots. I'm, I'm looking forward to Funk Week. I'm looking forward to it. Um, it's it's going to be good. It's going to be good. It's going to be interesting to see. Yeah, which which end of the spectrum you know you and I both come up with, and uh, yeah, it's going to be good. Uh, if you're listening and you are. Uh, you know, want to write a song in any of the genres we've covered this so far this week? Um, definitely email the show. So far this week, we've only done the one week the song this week. <laughs> I mean, um, so far this season, I should say. Um, yeah, uh, email it in. We're, I'm we're a all pedant, and I know it. We always like um, emails, and we always like hearing uh, what you guys are writing. So uh, that's always welcome. Yes, please do that. It is genuinely a lot of fun to get your emails in and read them on the show. So, and play your songs as well. So. Two thumbs up, one out of one. One out of one. Right. Uh, we shall get to writing those songs then, and we shall see you next week. Ta-ra. Ta-ra.